Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up, it could just be the single most contentious moment in the island's handling of the pandemic and sport is right at the centre of it. A scouting trip by British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland has split Guernsey together apart. We'll be joined by the joint chair of the rugby club, Charles McHugh, to find out why he thinks a summer training camp would be huge for the island. We'll also bring you our highlights of the local sporting week and with the Grizzly Granite Man event looming on the horizon, we'll preview the start of the local triathlon season with athlete and coach Amy Critchlow. Plus to pick of what's coming up this weekend, I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me I've got a full squad, Rob Batiste. How do? Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingrill. Hi. Guys, there is only one place to start, and that is with this Lions story. Uh, just in case anyone has missed it, uh, their head coach, Warren Gatlin, came to the island last weekend with a view to bringing over his star-studded squad this summer as part of their preparations for the Test Series in South Africa. We know Jersey is also being considered for that training camp. Warren Gatlin visited there too recently. As we're recording this, nothing's been announced officially, although a report in Wednesday's Times newspaper suggested both islands could play a part in the Lions' plans this summer. Well, I spoke exclusively to the Lions' boss during his visit, over the phone, I should say. Here's what he told me on Sunday about the restrictions he was operating under and what the Lions might look to do in Guernsey if they come over this summer. In the training and a little bit of bonding and being able to get out out amongst the community and then obviously the Lions are different from other international sides and in that we've always embraced uh, the community aspect and you know trying to um, go to sort of local stuff whether it's some school visits or having open training sessions where people can go along so we're, we're hoping that those sort of things might be able to, to take place but we're, you know it's obviously everything's moving and, and we just have to Lions coach Warren Gatlin speaking to me during his two-night trip to Guernsey, a trip we now know involved in meeting states officials at Foots Lane, as well as dining with sports representatives at his hotel. It really has divided people, and there is a, a sports side, a, a, you know, a, a wider news side to this, of course. But can you remember uh, something that's been so divisive locally? No, <laughs> to be honest. And I, I do... Um... I have a lot of sympathy for the Guernsey Rugby Club on this one, to be honest. They, uh, they've been put in an invidious position, really. Um, the approach was made to Guernsey via the wooden, wooden spoon. Um, Guernsey Rugby Club were, from what I understand, were asked would they be interested in entertaining the, um, the British and Irish Lions? And let's face it, who wouldn't be? Um, they made the appropriate um, approaches to the, the government about the possibility of it happening. And it's from there that the problems have arisen, you know. Um, so the poor rugby club have been sort of stuck in the middle here and getting not a lot of bad press, but, the, you know, the spotlight has been on them and really it's through no fault of their own. And Gareth, the, I mean, I, there is a sense that that now this kind of carrot has been dangled in front of the rugby club. And it is, you know, we're talking about the, the British and Irish Lions. It's, you know, 
alongside the All Blacks, probably the, the sort of biggest name in, in or the biggest side in world rugby, the biggest, you know, bringing the biggest occasions. But yeah, now that now that it's kind of been sort of the rugby club have been sort of tantalised with that, it must be very difficult then to see the, the the kind of backlash that's erupted around it and which I guess, who knows, but potentially could undermine any chances of it happening. Yeah, I mean, like you say, Tony, the Lions are sort of the biggest draw in the Northern Hemisphere when it comes to rugby and and it's it is wider than just rugby. The, the Lions will capture the imagination of of the more casual sports viewer. Um, like Rob says, it, it seems a bit harsh that the rugby club have got a, have been uh, ever so minorly tarred by a brush this week because of um, what happened over the weekend. Um, that said, looking forward, I still think it'd be a great thing for them if they are able to host the Lions in any shape or form come come June. And um, it, it can only be a benefit to them. And I think generally it will benefit the island quite hugely as well if it was to happen. Well, let's find out exactly from the rugby club's perspective what a Lions pre-tour camp could mean for Guernsey. We spoke to Raiders co-chair Charles McHugh. British Lions is a phenomena, uh, you know. I'd love to go to Australia and see the British Lions in 2025. Um, I think something like 15,000 people follow the Lions to the Southern Hemisphere. Usually the Lions have a press pack of 150 people. So, you know, it's a phenomenon. It's the pinnacle of rugby. It's the pinnacle of any professional rugby player's career to play for the British Lions. And... It's a massive thing. There has been some speculation about exactly what a camp might look like, whether Jersey will or would be involved. We know that Warren Gatlin visited Jersey a few weeks ago to look at their facilities. Hypothetically speaking, if the Lions did come to Guernsey, what kind of tangible benefits would you as Guernsey Raiders chair be looking to get out of the visit? I think the, uh, the visit of, of any international sports team to Guernsey is big news. To get the British Lions is huge news. Um, the, the whole thing is bigger than rugby, is bigger than sport. The island has been trying for a long time to have an international sporting event, be it golf or cricket or whatever it is. Uh, why do we want that? We want that to show we have a jurisdiction that can organise an international sports event, uh, has lifestyle open for business, all of these things. So as we emerge from COVID and dreadful things have happened in COVID and I have every sympathy for people who haven't been able to travel to medical appointments whose relatives have died, but we are emerging and we have to do something positive. Um, you know, here we are, where we are. Uh, the Lions would signal to the rest of the world, we're open for business. We're a fantastic jurisdiction and we can organise big stuff. Mm, that's important. Yeah, you describe it as a, a sports event. Would it be that, though? Would you expect to see on-field action, whether it's just light training, whether it is a match involving local players or, or anything like that? You know, that, that would be maybe at the top end of what might be possible. Or would it just be a case of the, the Lions squad coming over, you know, having a few beers together and, and, and basically chilling out? Uh, when I spoke to Warren Gatland, he was quite clear that there would be community events. Uh, we haven't sat down and organised them uh, or said exactly what they'll be. But, um, you know, the Lions are, are not, not 
stupid. They're going to do stuff with the community. We're going to have an opportunity of some kind to put on an event at uh, the Garen stand, all subject to safety, etc., etc. But um, that's definitely on the cards. As you understand it, would any kind of state's backing be required to, to make this happen? And if so, does that negate any potential benefit? I think it's more sort of assistance in kind than money. And, uh, you know, there might be some things done to help facilitate. But uh, I don't think this is going to cost Guernsey a lot of money. It's, it's more about making facilities available. Uh, St. Pierre Park is in walking distance of the Garen stand. Uh, there's a big gym at the grammar school. Uh, there's the Raiders training pitch, which has just been refurbished with drainage and lights. You know, we've got everything they need, uh, and we're in a, you know, we're in a, a in a safe environment. And that, those are the most important things. It's not whether you've got a hyperbaric gym in Jersey or whatever the the the, the other stuff that they might see in Jersey, um, but. We've got, we've got the basics and uh, we've got the safety and those are the most important things. Would there be a wider financial benefit to the community, do you think? Would you see the, the Lions players being out spending money uh, at bars and restaurants or, or even by that stage in the summer, could we expect some hardcore Lions fans to want to wanna come over, isolate and uh, kind of be a part of that experience? Uh, I'm not sure in, in response to that. I can't really answer that. Um, I think there are wider benefits to the community. We've got Locate Guernsey. Um, if you wanted to send the signals that this will send, Locate Guernsey would have to be working for a, an awful long time and spending an awful lot of money just to generate the positive signals that this visit might generate if it happens, and it's still an if. Given the now that you've had this carrot sort of dangled in front of you guys as a, as a, a rugby club, as a rugby community, uh, that, that the Lions might potentially come here, are you worried that the reaction will put them off? Well, I think there have been already reactions on the mainland about this. Um, I hope not. Uh, just remain positive. Well, let's put the Lions story to one side now and, and turn our attention back to what has been happening in Guernsey over the last few days. A busy Easter weekend of sport. Lots to enjoy. Some running, cycling, hill climb, uh, a top of the table clash in the Prio League. Uh, let's get some highlights of the week from you guys. Let me start with you, Rob. What was your, what was your pick of the week? Well, I did enjoy the football on Saturday afternoon. I must admit, it was a cracking game down at Portsmouth between Rose and Saints. Um, and an appropriate, fair result. But... Highlight, best performance, individual performance this weekend. I don't think you can go further than Richard Friedrich's victory in the um, Easter 10K road race. Very impressive. Um, he is a very impressive athlete, full stop. Obviously, you don't get to win the Berlin International Marathon with thousands and thousands and thousands of competitors, competitors without being a top-class competitor um, and he quite clearly is he tell, told me later that he was really enjoying his running these days probably the best more so now than any time he's been in the island which is probably about five years now and um, he's got the bit between his teeth he's obviously targeting marathons um, um, further ahead but in the meantime he's looking at appropriate road races which he can which he can, can um, enter and Probably in now that Lee Merrion has stepped aside from serious running, that Richard is probably our number one distance runner when it comes to you know six miles and, and above. Um, 
Not that there is, you know, there is there's some really good talent sort of chasing him. James Priest continues to impress. Um, has come into the sport the last couple of years and made huge strides under Lee Merrion's coaching. And um, and it's good to see somebody like that putting some sterling work into into his his, 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 his chosen sport. Jamie, I know you you were on the start line for that 10k on Monday. You weren't able to trouble uh, Mr. Friedrich in the end. No, no, I had to withdraw, unfortunately. Oh, we won't, we won't dwell too much on that. <laughs> bad, ta- bad tactics again. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a fantastic field. Um, what for you, though, I suppose that won't figure high on your, your picks of the week. What, what was your highlight, Jamie? Um, once I'd got over the disappointment of not finishing the 10K, I had a really enjoyable experience down that maiden hill climb of the season. Uh, last season, in 2020, hill climbing was something that really suffered due to the pandemic, and we didn't have much of a season, to be honest. But this season, it's just been nice to see it coming back from as early as it could possibly come back. Uh, we've, got a, we've got an exciting few events lined up. And it is kind of the flagship series we have locally in motorsport. We've got so many options. And there was a really interesting story related to the Le Mesure brothers. Just tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so they've got a shared drive sports Libra. Um, they got through most of the day on scave. So Ian had done a very quick time. Uh, his brother, Paul, was a bit less unfortunate. Uh, quite late into the day, he crashed the car and caused quite a lot of damage going up the first bends. It's a bit of a case of understeering. <laughs> we may not see them at the next event, but they're hoping to be come back from it and carry on competing soon. Well, hopefully they get on well. I'm sure there'll be uh, some yeah, interesting exchanges at the bottom of the hill when they got back down there. Gareth, your pick of the week? Well, I, I want to give, give a quick shout out to Valrec, having watched them beat North last night, having sort of a week earlier got hammered by Saints. They, uh, Saints scored seven against Rec. Um, to come back and, I mean, they, they had a few players back, which obviously helped, um, but to come back and, and win the Grant Fort Road derby was obviously huge for them. And I was, I was pleased to see their reaction at the end. It was, um, they were pretty joyous, to say the least. Um, in terms of the other sort of major news of the week, um, it was funny enough, it was, it's another rugby story. Unfortunately, it got a bit um, pushed to one side because of the Lions, and um, it's almost been hidden away. But um, the fact that Raiders have signed a, a, a new centre um, for next season just it once again shows that all the preparation is going well for the Raiders. And it's, um, it's always funny just speaking to Geordie Reynolds because during a normal season, he'll keep you on the phone for about half an hour. And at the moment, he is absolutely climbing the walls. I mean, and as soon as he picks up the phone to me at the moment, it's a case of, great, I've got someone to speak rugby to. And I could have written a book on what he was telling me about all his plans for the season. I've ended up writing about 200 words on this new player. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's great that, um, fingers crossed, um, that, uh, Raiders will have a full season come um, well, August with the with the first Siam of, of the three for the season. So um, it was great to hear that uh, we've got another promising new newcomer on his way. Yeah, they're going to be absolutely champing at the bit to get going, aren't they? As you say, so much to to get their teeth into and and, and so much pent up kind of energy to, to expel. There is, yeah. Jordan is, um, to say he lives and breathes rugby is a bit of an understatement. And um, obviously he's he's currently finishing off his level four qualification. He, he should have actually had it finished if, if it wasn't for the pandemic by now. Uh, and that basically makes him the highest qualified coach you can be. And I mean, that's sort of premiership standard. So that that's um, what we've got driving the Raiders forward now. I mean, we are an amateur side, but the outlook of that club is totally professional. Um, and 
I think their second foray into National 2 is, is going to be really exciting for them. I think they're going to be so much better prepared. And, you know, who knows what they can do from there. I mean, obviously they want to consolidate their position to start with, but um, you never know. I mean, that's level four of the... Um, of the RFU ladder, you never know, we might be able to get up to level three in time. That would be something. Certainly would. Thanks for listening to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Before we go, a look ahead to the weekend, and it is uh, another busy one. Some more sports uh, coming out of uh, the sort of relative winter hibernation or coming out of lockdown. We've got the first uh, triathlon event of what is set to be a very busy local season this weekend with a duathlon at Pembroke. It was uh, originally due to take place at the Reservoir, but it's been moved to the uh, the coastal location, which I'm sure has got uh, all the local triathletes uh, fired up. Now, this is a sport that has been taking uh, huge strides uh, locally in the last few years uh, and to find out all about uh, the season ahead uh, the backdrop of, of course of an island games delay which is um, yeah perhaps uh, affected training plans and affected who might be um, might be eyeing up those medal spots in two years time uh, we were joined by uh, Guernsey triathlete and coach Amy Critchlow someone who uh, made a massive contribution on the course uh, in a Guernsey tri-suit over the last few years uh, a veteran of a, a few island games uh, helping Guernsey to team gold on the women's side in Gibraltar she's also driving the next generation of local triathletes uh, as a coach and uh, we started by asking her just how excited they are to get going again this weekend I think everyone's excited to do an event that's not a virtual event and to get together um sun's out looks good for this weekend so it's kind of the beginning of a very packed calendar for the the tri season so I think people are excited to to get together and start racing. We've got these three events coming up before the sort of main triathlon season starts with that Grand Rock Super Sprint. So we've got we've got the Pembroke Duathlon as a bit of a, an opener um, for newbies, but also for the, for the regular um, group of triathletes to get together um, to start with. But then we've got the we've got the Sark Triathlon, which is very much a, a, a fun social event not you know we're not taking that one very seriously um so that's an event mid-april and then we've got the novice triathlon on may the 16th and that's at st samson school so that starts with a pool that's a pool swim so that's really an accessible way to get into the sport so you don't have to face the open water and and in terms of the rest of the summer then obviously we still facing travel restrictions um you were saying before that that you've not booked any off-island competition this year <laughs> taking the pessimistic approach yeah taking the <laughs> pessimistic well it's such a nightmare then having to, to to worry about kind of deferring or trying to get a refund so my approach this year because obviously island games were off so it's just take a step back I'm, i've been concentrating on my coaching um, my athletes and, and and the strive activities and things like that so I wanted to race this year, but keep it on island. Maybe go to Jersey, if, you know, if that if that happens. And I've never done Granite Man before, so I'm going to do Granite Man this year because normally I'll be going off island for age group racing, um, and it always seems to clash with Granite Man. So this is going to be my first time doing Granite Man this year. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nervous laugh. So for people who don't know about the Granite Man, it is the the flagship kind of local event at at that kind of endurance um, distance, isn't it? And it happens every two years. What is unique about it? What what makes it enticing? Um, (laughs) Enticing? Or or, or off-putting? Yeah. Uh, So 
the Granite Man, you know, it's a bit of a play on Iron Man, <laughs> um, our sort of local version of, of those events. So it's a 70.3 distance triathlon, which is a 1.9 kilometer swim, a 90 kilometer bike, and a half marathon at the end, so 21 kilometer run. And the Granite Man event, um, it's kind of a, a new addition. So you go into the Rhone's Quarry towards the end of the run. So I think that goes below sea level, which is quite a unique little uh, selling point of the Granite Man, or not. Uh, a bit of a climb out again. <laughs> Makes it the run a little bit more interesting. Um, and then lovely flat-ish bike, um, two laps along the coast, up Luray, along the top, back down. So that's quite a fast fast bike route. Um but yeah, it's, it's all about the run. It's all about the quarry at the end. It's real. If you haven't got anything left in your legs, you won't have anything by the end of that. By the end of that. Yeah, I, I've covered it a couple of times. And the, I mean, it's uh, on a hot day, it's pretty hot and dusty at the bottom there. It's quite a, it's not a place you want to be running into off the back of uh, what you've already no. done. There's always a photographer down there as well, just to capture those moments. <laughs> capture the pain. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what's the level of competition you're expecting this summer then? Because obviously last year, we still thought or you know we started to plan for the island games happening this year so you know the club held the qualifier down at rockane um will there be that same level of 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 competition at the top end of things locally this season or or will people be looking again now at sort of two years time for for island games and and other kind of longer term aims i think there will be a, a high level of competitiveness this season um people have put in hard work for the qualification and and you know with plans to do island games this year but i think that kind of level of motivation and drive needs to go somewhere so i think if if you're not going away then you'll you'll put those efforts into the local races so i think there will be a high level of of competition and it's nice that we now have a date for the island games in a couple of years time so people have got that time frame now um so good good race season locally here and then qualification again next year and then 2023 for the Guernsey Island Games so there's that nice kind of time time frame now um, that people can focus on but I think there's a lot of competitive athletes over here that that will need to <laughs> kind of use that and and um, see what they can do on local turf. One thing I'm sure, I know you've been pushing for, for a while is getting an even split of men and women on the Island Games team. I think that seems like a perfectly reasonable objective. Uh, we've got very strong men. We've got very strong women locally. We've got good women coming through as well. So I know you're aiming at that five, five, five splits when it comes to Island Games team selection. Um, yeah, do you see that as a realistic prospect come just over a year's time when you're looking at selecting the squads? Uh, yeah, I do think. I think it's become a real prospect now. Um, I think when we had the, the qualification for the 2021, we ended up having a team of four women selected and six men. Um, and just with that extra kind of up-and-coming layer of, of women now training, that kind of depth of field is has increased again. Um, so I am hopeful for a five... 5-5 five, five split for 2023. Um, be really, really, it'd be great. And I think, like you say, triathlon is a very, one of the most gender equal sports in the world. And it's it's been in the news fairly recently about, um, or, or just having coverage about um, men and women's, the pay 
uh, in the professional sport is equal and it's probably one of the only sports that that, that happens in and it's the, the the coverage of the women's race is exactly equal to the men's race so it is it is a really equal sport and and you're seeing that over here now as well and in terms of having a good role model obviously Megan Chapel was excellent in Gibraltar getting silver Obviously, that's an incredible achievement for a Guernsey triathlete who's relatively new to the sports. Um, what, do you, what effect do you believe that is having or could have on bringing new women into the sport and actually aiming as high as she did? I think it's important to have people like Megan, um, who obviously are high achieving in, in the sport. Um, so she's 24, so can obviously relate to those younger athletes coming up through the ranks or starting the sport or you know looking to her as a bit of a role model um and she did achieve um that those results fairly early on in her career in triathlon so put, she put so much hard work in and, and you know got those results so it is it is inspirational one particular case i've been quite interested in personally is the development of young Thierry Le Cheminant, who seems to have found a real silver lining in the island games postponement and that now he can actually compete uh, he's just turned 16 previously he would have been too young um yeah what do you have to say about him as a triathlete and his promising pathway i mean Thierry, <coughs> even as a you know under 16 year old he was he was smashing his you know the, the races that he could do and obviously there was a huge potential um and just a little bit frustrating for him that he wasn't he wasn't quite old enough to to compete for the 2021 team but now with that delay the two-year delay he's he's gonna he's gonna fit within that age bracket so he's got every chance to to be able to compete in the 2023 games obviously pending selection criteria and things like that and potentially could be one of our strongest um, male athletes on the team so yeah it is a silver lining for Thierry <laughs> and uh, I think he's definitely one to watch for the 2023 games. And building on that uh, obviously Thierry would be a good potential role model for other young athletes who are coming through. I know you've been involved in putting on several youth-based events alongside novice tries etc. Um, I was just wondering if you feel where you currently feel we are in terms of getting more young Thierrys along in the near future? Yeah, um, so we run um, a junior tri club called Tribe, which is it's really about getting the youngsters participating in triathlon, um, developing skills. We bring them in as young as six years old. And now we're seeing kids kind of going through that process and we're now uh, building on a group of young athletes from 14... Um, years and older um, small group at the moment but they're kind of they're developing and they're starting to race alongside the adult races in the, the on the tri-club calendar um, so there is a bit of a pathway now for up-and-coming athletes so starting off as a participation um, getting experience to swim bike run learning the skills and then there's a bit of a development pathway for the kind of 12 13 14 plus to then be able to We've got a bit of a sort of junior squad now um, who can then join in with the tri club and start racing alongside adults. Only small small distances, so the super sprint distances for those 14-year-olds, but it's still um, racing alongside their kind of adult peers. And from your perspective, the Island Games delay, how has it affected your thinking? <laughs> <laughs> 
the drive's still there, the motiv motivation's still there. I'd love to do a home game, so I've done a done three away, and I'd love to do a home games. So if I'm still, you know, uh, fit enough to do it, I know I'm going to be a couple of years older again there. <laughs> um, so I'd love to do it. I know that they're we're hoping that's we'll have a we'll have a qualification next year, and I think there'll be some new faces. Um, we've got some up and coming ladies that are in their sort of first second year of triathlon, so they're training hard already now. So they're on a good structured training program, and I think the qualification next year will be quite interesting. I hope we'll have the same um, girls that did the qualification last year. Hopefully they'll give it another crack this year. Oh, sorry, next year. Um, but I think there will be some new faces in the mix, which makes it interesting. Fantastic. Well, yeah, still got a couple of years to uh, to get ready. I, I know you're also involved in the, the Herm Swim locally. Yeah, is that um, is that shaping up to be a, a good event this year? Got lots of lots of new faces going in the water. Uh, the, the the Herm Swim, the, we call it the Paradise Island Swim. So swimming from Guernsey to Paradise Island, which is Herm. Again, that event sold out in 12 minutes. Um, so we've got really good good bunch of swimmers um taking on the challenge some new faces some repeat faces as well um we're planning to do that on the 1st of august but obviously you know that's weather dependent that's shaping up to be a really really good event and lots of sea swimming training in the lead up you know everyone knows that sea swimming on ireland has just become this this huge um thing for people to to get involved with and and again really accessible for everyone to, to have a go. And the Herm Swim is that really iconic sort of open water swim you can do locally, five kilometre open water swim. So I think it's always going to be a popular event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't sort of open social media these days without seeing you know, photos of people, yeah. post-swim photos. Uh, it has been, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty amazing to see how much people have, and it's not just kind of, like jumping in the water and jumping out is it it's it, people are kind of doing decent swims or staying in for a decent amount of time and doing decent distances as well do you, do you feel like the last year 18 months with the with the lockdowns and, and everything has that kind of has that changed people's approach you think in Guernsey to um to exercise lifestyle rather you know rather than going to gym now it's kind of swim bike run I think something's happened in lockdown where people really have sort of opened their eyes to what Guernsey can offer to them um the sea the coast the cliffs all the you know the outdoor training areas all the exercising areas rather than heading to the gym and think I've got to you know run on the treadmill for half an hour get outside um get on the cliffs and the coastal paths definitely for sea swimming I think that's just people seeing other people doing it and sort of being intrigued and curious about it and is it something I can do and then they do it and, you know, it is a great feeling. Um, obviously, you've got to acclimatise. Maybe don't start kind of mid-February. That's probably not a good idea. But definitely this summer, I expect to see a lot of a lot of people getting in the water. And it's just, it is stunning. Um, you know, the South Coast beaches, I was out paddleboarding the other day, and it's just, it looked like the Mediterranean. It was awesome. And presumably that can only be good for the sport of triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, no, definitely. Um, open water swimming probably is one of the things that put people off trying a triathlon. Um, it's the thing that people fear um, the most of the, out of the, the three sports within the try. So getting people used to getting in water, 
swimming, wearing wetsuits, um, getting used to the local bays, the swim routes, what you can do, definitely will probably hopefully appeal, triathlon and then appeal to those people to to give it a go. Jamie, you're going to be down covering the Pembroke uh, duathlon at the weekend. So look forward to a full report from that in the paper next week. Uh, what else is going on this weekend then? Gareth, you've got a, a big uh, hockey fixture to look forward to. Um, yeah, it's, um, it should be the coronation of Indies as men's Division One champions. Um, although I'm sure Colombians won't want to give in quite that easily. But um, basically, as long as Indies avoid defeat against their nearest rivals, they will be crowned champions there. Um, they've won 11 out of 11. So um, they've got a, a big gap, and it's, it's only a matter of time. But uh, their first opportunity to seal the, the title comes Saturday afternoon at Foots Lane. And away from the hockey, Rob, a uh, couple of football matches to look forward to over the next yeah, few days. Yeah, there's a couple of um, potential crackers this weekend, starting um, Friday evening when Belgraves go to St Martins, who are now clearly the FNB Prioli title favourites. Um, Saints have got a few injury problems, apparently. Um, half a dozen players missing, which means reduces their squad from about 24 to 18. So I'm sure Leon Meekin's not too devastated about that. Um, and they can still afford to wait um, for Jamie Dodd to another week. Um, Bells potentially could cause a, an upset there. Um, certainly got the ability to do so, but I'm not sure whether they got the physical conditioning to push Saints for 90 minutes. Um, but when you've got somebody like Charlton Govan in your side, you've always got a chance. If Charlton's on, on, on song, scores a couple of goals, who knows? And then Saturday, we've got um, third-placed Sylvans go to Manza, the track. Now, these two sides have already fought out two cracking games this season. One was a one-all draw, the other one a 5-3 win for Sylvans, which was a little bit fortunate. Um, Sylvans still... This remarkable unbeaten record in the league, stretching back to the end of August at 16 games. Um, got a couple of injury problems. If they haven't got Seb Smead in central midfield, they may not tick as well as they normally do. And Manza, well, you never know what you're going to get with Manza. Uh, they've got Thomas Dodds back. They might probably have Kesman back, Craig Young. Uh, who knows, Paul Craig, he, he, he could... He'd, he'd probably hop onto the pitch if given half a chance, but I won't worry about his knees these days. Um, they could spring a shock there, Manza. They've got the talent to do so. Um, but um, longer term, you've got to worry about their future. You know, they, with GFC possibly coming back. I know Mark Romrell, their, their head coach, is, has got serious concerns about next season, about whether they can mount a challenge um, in the league, in the top division at all, you know they've got plenty of players at their lower league levels, but they, with the prospect of possibly losing half a dozen players to GFC and already operating on a small squad, they really need to pull something out of the bag there in terms of getting a few new signings on board if they are to take advantage of a nice new home pitch at the KG5. Well, I'm sure more to come on that. Um, some potentially interesting uh, football fixtures then this weekend. And one more thing, by the way, Tony, I should remember, I, I, I believe I may have made an error before and said Richard Friedrich, former winner of the Berlin Marathon. Apparently, I'm told it was the Munich Marathon, which is an even bigger event. <laughs> <laughs> Live fact-checking on the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. That's what we like to see. Uh, well, thanks very much, guys, for, for uh, stopping by for a chat today. Lots to look forward to this weekend. Of course, follow all in the Guernsey Press uh, and online at guernseypress.com sport on Twitter 
Twitter at GSY Press Sport. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, do give us a, a rating or review in your favourite podcast player and make sure you hit follow and subscribe in those players if you're listening on the Guernsey Press website. That's all from us for now. We'll see you again next week. Yeah.